you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks. With Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. It's a uh, it's it's an exciting time because at least when I turn on TV, I'm beginning to see football highlights. Guys are just <laughs> conditioning and stuff like that. But uh, you get the sense that things are coming back. We're beginning to talk about real football stuff. We're beginning to see guys kind of going through the motions and working out. Uh, I'm fascinated. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what ha- what takes place. One of the things I was thinking of is you know how especially when you're scouting, like that Hall of Fame game would always kind of sneak up on you. You'd be just going about your day, and you're like, whoa, wait a second, I just turned on the TV, like there's a football game on. Have you thought about the fact that's going to be a regular season game? Like we're going to be, you know, kind of not seeing a lot, and there's only a couple weeks of practice, and and your clock is going to tell you, well, I haven't seen all this stuff. We haven't had preseason games, so the season's still like a month away, and all of a sudden, like, boom, like we're playing games. Yeah, we are playing games, and this is so different. But I think, DJ, you and I have been close enough to the college game it's really not that different. Uh, it, it just kind of depends on if your coaching staff can kind of adapt to how college 
football teams prepare to play. Because if, if we were dealing with the college game primarily, this is what would happen. You would get a couple weeks, and then before you know it, there would be some kind of kickoff classic that your team is playing in. And I think NFL teams, and I think Bill Belichick said it uh, eloquently when he talked about, hey, college teams have been doing this for years. So we just have to prepare our team to get ready to play. We have to go through the process of blocking and tackling and learning the fundamentals. But when they kick off, whenever the opening game is, we need to be ready. But in talking to somebody, because I talked to a couple coaches, and they said this year, unlike other years, your team will kind of have to work itself into shape the first quarter of the season. That first game, no matter uh, what kind of fitness and conditioning stuff that you've done, it's going to be overwhelming for everybody. Uh, DJ, you've been on the sidelines doing those yeah. opening games, and you've seen guys wheezing, and you can't Puking. catch your breath. <laughs> you, you, you're trying to see it as, as a player. I can remember just trying to hold on for dear life until I could kind of get my breathing under control in those opening games. And it's going to be like that. But typically about, about week two and week three, everyone is kind of acclimated to the speed and the intensity. And then it becomes about the execution. And sometimes that takes about four to five games to get everything kind of buttoned down. And that's why you'll see some teams get better and better over the course of the season and play their best ball heading down the stretch. And you hope that you win enough games early that when you're playing your best, it still matters. All right, you've you've uh, led me to a point that we weren't even going to discuss, but that's what's so great about these conversations is we can go into some new ground. I, I do want to let everybody know what's coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about the opt-outs. We've had uh, now a couple premier college players have opted out. Tip of the iceberg, in my opinion, you're going to see a lot more. Uh, but we're going to discuss that. Uh, also going to discuss opt-outs we're seeing from the NFL level with some big-name players opting out. And then the news that just came out today about how that will impact the salary cap and what that could mean maybe for some extensions for some teams. Uh, we're going to touch on that as well as um, the uh, the strategy, some of the different strategies teams are taking in regards to uh, being able to quarantine players and, and kind of create an individual bubble. So we want to talk about some of those, those things. But you led me to a point, Buck, I've never thought about this, um, but you're saying we've talked about the stress on communication, the, you know, the question of whether or not you can be in shape, um, some of those issues led me to believe if you're a veteran team, if you're a team like the Saints or you're a team that has your nucleus is, is been together for a long time, man, what a year to go fast. You know, you talk about we've seen mm -hmm. the, the NFL game kind of adopt some things from the college game and try and pick up the pace a little bit. Chip Kelly kind of ushered that to the National Football League, and we've seen a lot of teams adopt it, changing tempos, some trying to go. I, to me, man, if you are buttoned up offense and you know everything, I am going to go as lightning fast and make this team that has had no offseason with new coaches and new players try and communicate in a very condensed amount of time. That's a great point. That's a great idea. And I think it's a great idea for uh, all teams. But for veteran teams and veteran quarterbacks, it really makes sense because when you have a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, guys who have seen everything, by going fast, you're able to control and dictate and allow your quarterback, your best player, to really put your team in optimal positions each and every play. It makes sense when you're the Saints because you've had continuity. You have so many guys. They have hand signals. They've, they've done this a ton on the practice field, so it's a natural advantage. But I also think it's an advantage for the teams that haven't been together uh, a while or teams that have young quarterbacks. When you go fast, 
the advantage of going fast, you simplify what the defense can do. You don't see as many exotic pressures. You don't see uh, a wide variety of coverage because communication is the priority. And coaches are scared to really open up the playbook when they worry about everyone getting the call. So if I have a young quarterback like a Joe Burrow who is very comfortable operating a system fast where he has control, I might think about jump-starting the offense by going fast all of the time to limit what the defense can do. It eliminates and reduces some of the variables, which should allow the young quarterback to play better. All right, I'm going to challenge you here because I know you you played uh, in the K-Gun there, and you guys were one mm-hmm. kind of one of the first teams that really cranked up the speeds, uh, the speed of the game. Can't you remember Nolan Richardson, coached at Arkansas? Do you remember? Do you do you remember the nickname of of the way they played or the style yeah. that they played? Yeah, 40, 40 minutes of hell. Forty yes. minutes of hell. Nice. 90, 90, 94 feet. Uh, yes. Pure pure pressing. On on a side note, when I coached, I didn't rec- know you knew that, Buck. Nice. No, when I when I coached my my son's rec ball teams when he was like seven, eight, nine. DJ, we were a four-court press team because when you have little kids, you can't put in the offense. So just create turnovers and shoot layups. So all we did was press and shoot layups. But I like that you bring that up, 40 minutes of hell, because when you're going fast, what you're doing is you're not only reducing the variables when it comes to what you see from the defense, but now you put conditioning at the forefront of everything. And with these big guys not being able to rotate guys in and out the game. If you're able to have success a couple of drives in a row, man, you're talking about wearing down a defense, especially if it's a defense that they want to have the big guys up front, meaning 300-plus pounders, you got your run stoppers or whatever. Well, you never let those guys off the field. So then the pass rush eventually leaves. Go back and think about the Atlanta Falcons-New England Patriots Super Bowl when Atlanta had that big lead, but – they were forced to be in pass rush mode against Tom Brady playing fast. In the third and fourth quarter, we saw them wilt, and he eventually had his way. We could see some teams gain an, an, an advantage by doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, I'm look at the team that just won the Super Bowl. That's what's scary. I mean, I, I don't think it's far-fetched to say that the Kansas City Chiefs in this environment can be more dynamic and more explosive than they've ever been. Because you have the relationship between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You've got the majority of the skill position players all the same. The offensive line, there's very little turnover offensively. Same coaching staff. Um, they should be able to go fast. And to me, I think about the movie like Hoosiers. Like, where's the ball? Are we going to use the ball? Like, no, we're not practicing with the ball. Like, this is, this is, that's where we are right now. You can't really practice. So the teams that are taking this time right now, this kind of ramp up period, to really get themselves in phenomenal shape, man, that could have a huge payoff for them to start the season and maybe even throughout the season. Yeah, I think it could have a, a, a significant advantage. That tempo thing that you you speak on, I think it matters. And it doesn't always have to be no huddle tempo. Uh, when I was with uh, Mike Holman with the Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers used to always give us problems because at the time they were one of the only teams that ran a 3-4 defense. They did the zone blitz stuff that was very, very complex and hard to pick up. So what we would do, DJ, we would go on first sound all of the time. And the reason why we would get in the huddle, get out the huddle, get to the line, go on first sound, you eliminate the pre-snap reads. You make them get set, get lined up. dictate, yeah. And, and, and so, once again, with a veteran quarterback that understands what he's looking at, it's a huge advantage. So whether you go tempo, no huddle, or tempo, f- quick pace, fast rhythm, 
man, you can give your quarterback and your offense a significant advantage, especially when you only have three or four weeks to work your team into shape. Defenses are going to be playing on the heels uh, from the jump the way this season is, is appearing to line up. Yeah, I'm thinking about some other teams that could do this. I mean, off the top of my head, you look at the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles could do it. Yeah. Philadelphia Eagles could do it because you've got Wentz and Doug Peterson who have that, you know, a long relationship there. Baltimore, you talked about the way they play naturally lends itself to play in this way. Um, the Rams, you know, with McVay and Goff, you know, having a good chemistry there. And I think you've got a lot of the, you know, the same pieces on the perimeter. Um, they could be another team that should be able to go pretty fast. I think that that uh, Arizona, obviously, from Kingsbury's background, they have uh, the ability, and, and that's what that offense is at its best. They're humming like that and rolling. Kyler Murray's played in that style of pace, so they could be another one. I mean, Seahawks have had continuity. There's there's a lot of teams when you kind of start rolling through this that have had some continuity here with the head coach, the quarterback, and, and most of their offense to be able to really crank this thing up. Yeah, the, the team that you, you mentioned, and I think it would be fascinating to watch, teams already have had a tough enough time trying to figure out what the Baltimore Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson. Uh, the option stuff that they do really tests the discipline of your defense. And so even though teams have had all offseason to break this down, now you're trying to get your team ready to play against something that is unconventional. Lamar Jackson played fast when he was at Louisville. Imagine being an up-tempo team that is really run-heavy. That is the thing yeah. that we haven't seen. And if you go back and you really think about Chip Kelly and why he did it, Chip Kelly operated fast so he could get the running game untracked. Because if you pick up three or four first downs in succession, the defense gets tired, and now you don't want to lay on those blocks. You're slow to get off and get into the running game. I think Baltimore could have a huge advantage with the option attack that they run. I think we stumbled onto something here just kind of accidentally. That I think this is, uh, this is going to be fascinating to watch. No, I, th- I think it is fascinating to watch. Uh, from day one, if you're a defensive coordinator, I think you have to put some drills in. And when these teams are talking about more scrimmages, I think you could see this be a big part of that. It may not be live to the ground, but the tempo, hurry up offense, tempo offense, going back and forth. The quickest way to work your team back into shape is to make your practices like this. So they have to acclimate to playing fast and communicating and those things. I would be more apt to do this from day one to jumpstart the conditioning of my team. So I talked to a coach, and this is one of the better teams in the league, and he said that they've done all their homework on this and trying to get ready, you know, and a lot of it's studying the college game. And he said, look, we are going to be tackling to the ground. It's something that we don't ever do, you know, because you get some preseason games with that. Maybe it's one small period here or there. Very, very little tackling takes place on NFL field during training camp. He said, no, this year we are going to tackle more in the in the time frame we have than we ever have before. We're going to go to the ground because we have to get those reps. I thought that was fascinating to me. We don't ever hear anybody talk like that in the NFL. Yeah, so it's fascinating. But I wonder how effective that would be. And part of this might be because I've been studying too much Ivy League stuff and Buddy Tevens yeah. and Dartmouth because they don't practice at all. They don't. They rarely have live tackling. They do everything with dummies and bags and the robotic dummies that we've seen and some simulated things that the Seahawks have actually made famous. I do wonder how many teams are going to go over the top when it comes to trying to get their physicality and toughness in their practices but how it's going to work to their detriment when it comes to having a tired team or a beat-up team when we kick off the regular season. Well, this coach was even – he even said this. He said, look, 
there's going to be some casualties. Like we're going to lose a couple players because of this, but we feel like they've done their homework on it and they feel like that the good outweighs the bad. Um, you know, in the NFL, it's just so funny to me because you always talk about, we just want to get to the starting line with all of our guys healthy. That's all anybody cares about. And this was like a kind of a throwback mentality of they think they can find an edge over the rest of the league if they have a more physical camp. Than, than the other teams. It's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And and I do wonder because we've also heard the Chicago Bears talk about last year they gave their, their players off during the preseason. They didn't play the starters. And we've heard Matt Nagy kind of regret taking that approach. And so typically if you do something and your, success, your season isn't successful, you kind of reverse the trend and go back the other way. So with the physical practices, when you talk about taking guys to the ground, the one thing that I would caution is – be careful of beating your team up too much because no matter what you do with the preparation phase, the speed of the game when it comes to the regular season is so different than whatever you can simulate and practice that if your guys are beaten up, if they're slow, they're going to have a tough time dealing with a fresher team that plays at a, at a, as a rapid, at a rapid pace that are really moving up and down the field. I'd be curious to talk to, to Veach um, to see what Andy has done in training camp the last few years because when I was with Coach Reed in with Philadelphia – they went to the ground way more than we did in Baltimore. Uh, oh, really? Which, which would shock people because I think they'd say Baltimore, the most physical, and Philadelphia maybe throwing the ball a bunch, you know, maybe not as – no, 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 no. Andy Reid, that was a physical – they went. They had more live periods to the ground than we did in Baltimore, like by a lot. Uh, that, that surprised me. That surprises me based on our relationship when we were all together with the Packers for three, three or four years. Um, Mike Owen, that wasn't what we did. We didn't mm-hmm. we didn't beat people up, if anything, DJ. Like I, I hate to admit, like some coaches would think this is crazy. We would go nine on seven early. So for people that don't know, nine yeah. on seven is your inside run period. You normally have your offensive line, tight ends, linebackers, and safeties and that front line. And you go and run through it. We would do nine on seven early, take off the pads midway through practice and practice the rest of the practice with just like our jerseys and stuff on, just worrying about the pace and understanding the execution, but not the physicality part of it. And that is an old Bill Walsh trick. I wonder with Andy Reid's background, being an offensive lineman, if he felt like that approach left his teams ill-prepared to deal with physical teams. Because I will say in Green Bay, when we encountered like the rough and rugged teams, it would take us a little bit to adjust and ramp up our physicality to be able to match them. Yeah, he would do things because you had two-a-days, you know, then and you don't really have that anymore. Um, but in those morning full contact practices, he liked to move the ball. So he would move the ball and go to the ground. So there, literally there were, you know, almost – it was a lot, man, where you'd just be moving the ball. And now that's not always with the ones. Sometimes that's for you to get full live, full-speed reps with your twos and your threes. Um, but, yeah, I mean – I, I just remember leaving there going like, wow, like what in the world? Like I did not, this was not what I thought I was getting into. I did not think this is how they operated. Now I've operated on that approach uh, in Kansas City with Marty Schottenheimer. We were as old school as it come. Three hour practices, lots of contact. Um, we're banging and we felt like that gave us an edge. We felt like when we walked onto the field on Sundays against other teams, they were nearly ready for the tempo and the physicality that we were going to play with. And so it just kind of comes down to your school of thought. There is a way to go live to the ground, but to also have a quick whistle. And so yeah. you kind of manipulate that as the coach. 
you want to be physical. You want to stress that. You also want to, from a psychological standpoint, you want to stand in front of the room and say, guys, we're more physical than any other team in the National Football League. The way that we practice, others can't practice like that. So you're also trying to build that confidence and that mentality that when we do kick it off, we're going to be more prepared and ready than other teams. Yeah, it's an interesting approach. You know, I think you're going to see teams attack this in different ways. Um, all right, before we get to the guys opting out, uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we came on. Um, the unique idea that the Saints have on kind of creating an, an individual team bubble. Go ahead, Buck. No, I, I think the, the New Orleans Saints are doing something that is different than what we've heard from other teams. The New Orleans Saints are basically trying to put together a bubble. Uh, they've uh, agreed to uh, have basically uh, a hotel provide their players with rooms uh, for their tier one personnel. So the players, the coaches, some of the medical personnel, they want to make sure that those uh, people are housed in the hotel. They're in their own rooms. They're away from everything. They're not exposed to the outside world because they believe, and Sean Payton has talked about it, the team that can attack this virus and keep everybody away from it and make sure that all of their players are available when they get to kickoff, that's the team that is really going to have the advantage by creating this bubble. I would say it's just like training camp, but by creating this bubble and housing their players away from everybody else, they may be able to get to the starting line with everyone ready to play, and that could be a huge advantage in this environment. Yeah, I'd be curious if, if you looked at a breakdown of a team, and, and the Saints have seemed to be a more veteran team, but just, you know, we kind of use the, we kind of flippantly throw around, like it's different with college and the NFL. These guys go home to their families. Well, not all of them. I mean, it'd be interesting to see like what percentage of the, of the guys have, you know, uh, a family there, whether they're just single, a single guy versus being a single guys. Yeah. Wives, living girlfriends, those, yeah. those guys that are a little more settled. Uh, it would be interesting to see how that is. I think regardless of it, I think we're seeing, and I cannot remember who, the player who talked about it from the Miami Dolphins, but he talked about how guys have to hold their teammates accountable. And that this year, when people talk about family in terms of the team concept, it really means more than it had in the past because you have to be careful what you're bringing back to the family, going out, being in bars, being around a bunch of different people and potentially bringing things back to the family into the bubble yeah, that's risky and that's reckless. And if you engage in those behaviors, they're going to cast you aside. And I know they put in more punitive penalties for guys when it comes to those things. But now more than ever, you have to be very disciplined this year. And that discipline has to show up not only on the field, but in what you engage in off the field. It will be a marathon to see how these guys are able to kind of stay with it uh, when it comes to their discipline. Yeah, that was Bobby McCain of the Dolphins. This is my idea. I actually brought this up with the, with somebody the other day, uh, talking about talking about baseball. But I, to me, I would do it if I was you know if I was the general manager of an NFL team or if I was a head coach of an NFL team. Uh, let me know what you think of this idea, Buck. Because what I would do is every day, because this is not something that you can have a lapse in judgment. We've seen that in baseball. You can be in, on your best behavior, you know, twenty three of the twenty four hours of the day. But I mean, you're out for 15 minutes where you're not supposed to be in a crowd of people. You're not social distancing. You're not taking you're not wearing a mask. Then here we are. You're in a casino. You're in a bar. And now we've got major issues throughout the organization. I I would every single day. 
I would have another, a different member of the team, and it could be the coaching staff or the players. Like, say, for instance, you know, you're the, uh, uh, you know, I work with, do the, do the, you just, I'll use the Jags because I want to announce too that Bucky just announced that he's doing some work with the Jags. So I would on Monday, Gardner Minshew, why don't you get up there and you can tell us about your grandfather, tell us about your grandmother, tell us about, you know, if you've got a, a young daughter or whatever. Tell, tell us a little bit about that person. And then if you finished every single, it could be a two minute thing at the two, at the end of the, at the end of the conversation, say, guys, her, her health, my, my grandmother's health is in your hands. Let's be smart. Next day, boom, defensive lineman pops up there. My, you know, my wife has diabetes, da, 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 here's da, 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 guys, her health is in your hands. Like that daily reminder of we are, we are in charge of taking care of a large group of people here. We have to be smart. Yeah, we have to be smart, and I, I like that idea. But I think another thing that will come to play, DJ, the teams that are able to create this camaraderie within the team. Um, years ago when I was in Kansas City, what we would do is on Thursdays, we would have uh, film sessions after practice, and they would bring in food. They would bring in uh, pizza. They would bring in all kinds of sodas and stuff like that where to keep everybody around. I think now more than ever, those activities – are really vital. In Green Bay, we used to have Soul Food Friday, where they would have a <laughs> caterer bring stuff up on Friday to keep you around the facility. Guys want to engage, and they want to have that camaraderie that you normally would share outside of the building. Well, now what you have to do is you have to get them to have that in the building because in the building, you can control that environment. It's safe. It's the safest place you're going to be. It's a, it's, it's a safe bubble. So the teams that are able to bring that in, and it may cost more on the budget line, right? It may cost more that we're catering and bringing these things in. But you have to give those guys an opportunity to decompress, but you wanted to do it within the sanctuary of your facility because you know that they won't be exposed to the other stuff. Yeah. And look, Hopefully this way it's set up right now works, but I, I know a lot of people have thrown out different ideas of how to do individual bubbles and what teams could do. I did see one that I actually kind of liked, uh, which was worst case scenario, right? Where you have a little bit of the NFL is a longer season. You can't people are not going to be away from their families for that entire season. That's 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 too much of an ask. But if you built in league wide buys, you know, like every you know four or five weeks, where you could have a buy where you could get go be with your family and then come back into your bubble, get tested and then re-enter into your team's bubble. Then look, it's not ideal. We want to be around your families every day, but it's a sacrifice you may be willing to take in the short term to try and get through a season. I thought that was an interesting idea. That is an interesting idea. How about I give you another idea, DJ? Uh, we've all seen teams because you've been with the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles when they went on playoff runs. As we get closer to the playoffs, there's a level of seriousness that begins to happen with the team. I believe Having a bubble for your team down the stretch will be critical because we understand what the loss of a quarterback or key member could do. Just think about in the playoffs, when we hit the playoffs, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bubble up. I know it's a tough sacrifice, but for four weeks, we're going to quarantine in a hotel and we're going to treat this part of the season like training camp. Everyone Lock up in the hotel so we don't get exposed to anything so we can ensure that we have everybody. I think that could be a distinct possibility for teams that have real playoff chances and real title hopes and, and aspirations. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's, again, people are trying to figure this out on the fly. I, I do think a lot of teams are paying attention to what other teams are doing. 
trying to steal good ideas just as you might try and steal a good play. Um, it, it's a copycat league in every sense of the word. Um, all right, Buck, we, we've, I want to get to this opt-out thing here. Uh, let's start, first of all, on the NFL side. We've seen guys, C.J. Mosley with the Jets, Eddie Goldman with the Bears, um, Damian Williams with the Chiefs. Uh, you look at all the players from the Patriots with Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower, uh, Vitaly. They've had a bunch of guys. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of names we've seen uh, that have decided to opt out. The interesting thing to me was the report that came out today. I think it might have been Pelissero that, that, that came out with it that said they're going to be able to take the prorated number off of this year's cap, not just the money. So he gave an example of, I think it was Juwan James, if you're making $10 million and they had prorated $3 million on top of that to be spread out over the length of the contract, you could save $13 million on this year's cap, which if you're – like I'm looking at the Jets – uh, you know the Jets are in a situation where Sam Darnold is 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 coming to that you know point in time where you start thinking about an extension. Marcus May is a safety they could extend. This to me makes it a lot more palatable to say if you take C.J. Mosley's money off the books this year, fill that space, get one of these extensions done, front load that money, and then you're not in any worse shape going forward with the cap. This is going to create some opportunities for some of these teams. Yeah, I would have to know when they could sign Sam Darnold, or if they have to wait to after they have one the more season. year. They might have one more year because because that would be that would be interesting because he would have the biggest thing, and I think he would actually be the easiest one to use to fill C.J. Mosley's spot. You're talking about seventeen million dollars plus whatever the bonus proration is. You may be talking about twenty million dollars. How about if you sign Sam Darnold? I'm not saying that you can based on the rules, yeah. but if you could get him a Let's get him his money now so we can put it on this year's books as opposed to having to wait. It could be advantage, a huge advantage. But you're right. Marcus May, some of the other guys that you could identify on your team that you want to give those extensions, it could happen. When we talk about the New England Patriots, let's just kind of fast forward to the end of the year. Let's just say that Cam Newton wins the starting job and plays at a high level. DJ, they could come to him with an extension before the end of the season. Oh, yeah and give him a bunch of cash early and then have the cap in relatively good shape going into future years because they gave him all his money right now. Well, and see, like the Jets thing, when I talk about Sam Darnold, well, I'm not necessarily saying you even have to do Sam Darnold. What you can do is you can work some other contracts, you know, be it new extensions of Marcus May, you can redo some other deals, and you can push their money into this year, which creates more money into next year for Sam. Yes. So it just allows you to kind of move things around a little bit and be a little more flexible. Yeah, like the teams that are really good in, in terms of manipulating the cap, it frees up a lot of space. I mean, it frees up a lot of space for them if they have some guys that had big big cap numbers that opted out. It now gives them an opportunity to kind of reset because we were worried about how the reduction in the salary cap was going to impact these teams next year and beyond. Well, now you have an opportunity to look at what that reduction could be and begin to envision what is that team going to look like next year when it comes to the core players? How can we get those uh, cap numbers in line to be able to handle a reduction while also giving us enough space to sign some additional firepower. I think it's going to be critical that those guys are working together, the cap guys, the personnel guys, and then the coaches to be able to understand and identify who are the guys that are essential to what they want to get done. Um, this is pretty funny. You'll like this. So I was just typed in, just to see if anybody had written anything on this recently, I typed in Sam Darnold, right? And so I was going to see what, what was out there on Sam Darnold. You know, you know it has like the, the people ask or whatever. People also ask. So it's like basically what the searches have been, uh, the search history for Sam Darnold. Here's the, here's the search history for Sam Darnold. Number one, what is Sam Darnold's salary? 
Number two, how long will Sam Darnold be out? Number three, what disease does Sam Darnold have? Number four, is Sam Darnold healthy? Not great. Not great there, Buck. That's not what you're looking <laughs> no. for there in your search history. No, it's definitely not great. It's not exactly what you're looking for, but uh, he has an opportunity to play. I still say the cards are stacked against him because I still feel like they need more firepower on the outside for us to really get a chance yeah. to see what he can be. But um, look, one of the reasons why we liked him when he was coming out is because we felt like he had the ability to elevate those around him. This year, we would get a chance to see. I think the bigger thing is this is a great opportunity for everyone to evaluate Adam Gase. Adam Gase has a reputation for being a quarterback whisperer and an offensive guru. Well, this year, I want to see what is he able to do to help Sam Donald working with him now can he elevate him can he get him to play at a different level by scheming things up that allow him to have enough layups to begin to string together completions that's what i want to see from the coach yep that's a big year for adam gase um all right college side uh we've seen these guys opt out we've seen rashad bateman who is the latest one um and then caleb farley was the first one there from virginia tech those are the two big ones we've had kind of the little uh, a little dust up there in the Pac-12 uh, with uh, with what's going on there. Uh, so Cassidy Woods has decided to opt out from Washington State. That was bizarre, by the way. Uh, recording the conversation Weird, with his coach, man. Whoa, uh, that was yeah. Whatever. I mean, nothing good about it. I'll just just leave it there. But uh, but it's bizarre, man. But uh, and then we have uh, Rayvon Bonner from from Illinois. I don't. I haven't done him or looked at him yet. So, but I know we've got the two big guys. And Buck, I don't know if you're with me on this, but. Tip of the iceberg, man. I'm telling you, within the next seven to ten days, I think you're going to see a bunch more of these guys. And I'm not talking about low-level players. I think we're going to see some some high-level dudes decide that it's not worth it for them to play this year. Yeah, I think I, th- I think we will. I think if you, um, I don't know if you saw the Facebook post from the mom of the Indiana player. I did. Who, I read that. Oof. Yeah, who contracted the disease? Because DJ, yeah. I think I think we've kind of assumed that a hey, young people can handle this. They're resilient. Football players won't be affected by it. I think that kind of brought a, a dose of reality to the situation yeah very so yeah and and i and i think uh some of these young athletes that have nfl futures that i would say are pretty secured i think they will weigh the pros and cons of what do i have to gain you and i have Mm -hmm. talked about this it won't be the 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 guys that have the ability to do this will be the ones that already kind of know where they they fall in the pecking order the ones that you worry about are the guys that have the potential to develop like the last couple of number one picks that we saw, uh, we saw Joe Burrow develop yeah. tremendously his final season. I mean, we saw Kyler Murray uh, develop as a kind of like a one. Wasn't even starter. a starter the year before. And we saw Baker Mayfield do it. So for those guys, the guys that are hanging out there, the guys who may enter the year with uh, third, fourth round grades, guys who develop and pop, those are the ones that have to be covered because everyone is going to be in their ear telling them that their grades are higher than they currently are? And yes. are they willing to risk it? Uh, this morning, I had a couple of text conversations with uh, some VP of player personnel departments, some director of player personnel departments on, how are you going to treat this when guys opt out? And we talk, hey, this is very similar to a guy suffering uh, a season in the injury very early in his final season. We'll go back and look at the previous season's tape. We'll, we'll grade them based off of the film that we have. We'll dig into the character, whatever. The thing that we can't do, we can't hold the decision against them. But we can always wonder how much would they have developed if they played their final year. Um, you wonder when they grade on that curve, do you grade positively on the curve 
or do you grade negatively on the curve because of what you haven't been able to see their final year? Well, it's interesting to me because if you're going to say, if we're going to have a draft right now of, you know, players under the age of 25, right? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's 24, 25, around that age. If we were going to do that league-wide and you took the quarterbacks out of the mix, Buck, Nick Bosa might be the first or second player picked. Yeah. Nick Bosa shut it down his last year at Ohio State. Shut it down. Didn't affect him at all. Didn't affect where he was drafted. Did not affect how he played. And to me, that is the story that's being pitched to these kids. First of all, you'd be shocked if you knew how many players are already done with agents right now. Like, the deals are done. Like, the top players, if you looked at the top, I bet you there's probably, I'm not even exaggerating, I I bet you there's 75 to 100 players right now that have already have agreements with agents. Like, they they haven't signed anything, but they have a verbal agreement. They know who's going to represent them. They've had all this time. They've met with them. And there's nothing illegal about that. You know, you haven't signed any papers, but I'm just saying – they are already getting advice from agents. They already know where they're going. And guys like Nick Bosa, that story's being relayed. And people are sharing stories like you mentioned with that Indiana uh, guard's mom talking about what he had been through through this. And they're saying, look, you know, ma- you know, maybe maybe you're the, the 24th pick in the draft right now. Maybe if you come back and play, maybe you're a top five pick. But maybe, you know, again, the three bad outcomes. Maybe you get COVID. Maybe you get hurt. Maybe you don't play well. That's three negative outcomes. And they look at the one positive outcome as you play better and you up your stock. I don't want to be – look, I love college football as much as anybody. I hope all these guys stay and play. And selfishly, we get a chance to watch them and, and we have a full college season. But i got to be honest, man. That, that to me, if, if that's my son and, and an agent has come to me and presented that and said, look, we've talked to teams around the league. Your son is going to be a top two-round pick if he does not play this year. If he does play, maybe he's a top ten pick. But I'm as a parent saying, man, I don't know, top two rounds and not taking any of the risk, sign up. Okay, so let's talk about the big elephants in the college football room, the quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. If they don't play another snap of college football, how does that impact their draft status? I don't think it – to me, I don't think it – I think to me personally, I think Justin Fields has has more growth potential. I think all three of them – are and I look, let's just be honest, they're all three gonna go in the top ten. They don't play a snap. They're all three gonna go in the top ten. Right. So okay, I, so, I mean so, that's so now so now because we're both parents, let's put on our parents' hat on. Yeah. And our kids are sitting in that situation and we know for with relative certainty they're gonna be drafted in the top fifteen. Yeah. I have the opportunity to then hire one of the top quarterback gurus. Because we've talked about this offline. I can hire a top guru to work with him for seven, eight, nine months. We can go do a bunch of different things when it comes to preparing and getting ready for the next level. Is that more advantageous than taking the risk of putting him out there, COVID, injuries, fall off on play? Yeah. I mean, I think it's something that, that guys have to consider. And that's me who loves college football and loves the process, but yeah. also knowing this is unlike any other year that we've seen. We don't know in college football if it's going to be the stop and start yeah. that, you know, based on everything, to have an opportunity to really get together and really work on your game. And you can't really work on your game without playing. But I do believe there's some things that you could do that you have to consider in this pandemic world. I, 
I just think you have to. And I think it's not those players that we worry about. We worry about the fringe players who may get bad advice that come yeah. out before they're really ready. That, that's the challenge. And like I said, if you asked, if you asked two, the top 200 players, you put the top 200 players in a room and said, how many of you guys are top 50 players, all 200 hands would go up. That's yeah. the problem is you're going to get guys outside of that world. They're going to end up taking this advice and believing the hype and not coming. I'm not saying this is for everybody, but I think we're talking about a select group of people that it's, it's a compelling argument, uh, to say the least. And you're not going to get any pushback from NFL teams. It's not like you, you know, if you're a starting quarterback, I don't remember who it was, uh, a year or two ago, we had a starting quarterback that elected not to play in a bowl game when he was healthy. And then, gosh, who was that? Will, Will Greer. Yeah, and then he played in the se- and Will played in the Senior Bowl, right? <laughs> Will, Will, Will so he Greer, didn't play yeah. with his team, but then he played, and he had to, he got a lot of grief. He got a lot of grief for that. You're not getting any grief for sitting out in a pandemic. No, I think we're beyond those things. I think NFL teams have also kind of moved beyond it. The first people that began to sit out when Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey and those guys yeah. set out bowl games, we gave them a hard time. Uh, but then other guys have done it. The NFL has just kind of been like, okay, I, I get it. Like, yeah. that's your choice. We have more than enough tape to be able to evaluate it. I think this will be a situation where we'll see guys elect to opt out and they won't be just hard. Look, I, I have conversations and texts with guys like, hey, you can't hold it against them. Like, this is something no. that we haven't seen. It's a health and safety concern. We have to evaluate them based on what they put on tape. We have to call and do the background stuff or whatever. But you only can judge them off of how they played. The rest of it is really a projection. So the guys who have good film in the can, I can understand it. Those who are on the bubble, you may have to go out there and play and prove it to, to, to get the uh, draft ranking that you want at the end of the day. You know what I was thinking of? This is the analogy. This is like Hollywood, okay? And so it's you don't call Tom Cruise and tell him he needs to come in and read for you. You don't. So some of those star players, you say, hey, here's the deal. This is, this is your job if you want it. You got, we, want you, we want you in our movie. There's some other players, you know what? You need to come in here and read a little bit. I don't know if I've seen quite enough yet from your acting career to be able to give you this role in my big budget movie. So you come in and read a little bit. Okay, some people might even have to have a callback. Maybe you need to play like a full season. You, I don't know, come in. I just want you to come in and read for like three or four games. Just read for three or four games, and then I'm going to look at you and say, okay, you're in or you're out. So, So, DJ, that's the other thing. And we've talked about this off the air. But there are going to be some guys who say, okay, here's what I'll do. I'm not quite at the point where I can opt out before the season. Mm-hmm. But what if I get three or four games in? And what just if I come play? in and read some lines, man? Just come in and read some lines. That's <laughs> all I, I get. get. What if I get three or four games and then I'm like, you know, I might be good. I might be good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I got the role. And, yeah. and so we may see some of those things happen. It is unprecedented. And also with the player empowerment movement, where more players in college football are beginning to understand their power and seizing upon that power. We may see, man, it may be different all the way. We may see some guys opt out before. We may see some guys kind of walk away from the team after. And that could be problematic for NFL teams looking at like, man, that's, I get it, but you kind of quit on your team depending on the circumstances. And then you see some guys take it all the way through the end. But we will see players do a bunch of different things and make choices and decisions based on their health, but also based on where they think they kind of sit in the pecking order of the NFL draft. Yeah, one thing I want to remind people that, that are listening, like you might be in a situation like we're in. We're, we're in comfortable life, right? We're, we've been blessed. We're, we're, we're doing fine. Some of these guys 
have come from a situation, Bucky, where there are a lot of people relying on them to be able to help their situation. So it's, it's, I, I just think there's a lot of people that sit in their comfortable life and say, be loyal to your team. They gave you this. You need to give them that. Like, hold up now, man. Some, no, this is, like the, this is the, the ticket for, for some of these people is what they can do professionally. And to put that in jeopardy, um, I don't know how you can tell somebody to do that. I, I just, to me, that's up to them. Yeah, I, I don't think you can have a, a judgment. And, and also, I think it's tough to really weigh in without knowing their family circumstance. Yeah. You don't know who is in their, their household. You don't know what, they're, uh, what potentially they could be exposing their parents, their kids, their uh, yeah. extended family to. I think this is one where you have to be very, very careful before you kind of lob an opinion or a hot take on what a player decides to do because we just don't know. And because there's still a lot to be determined on the long-term effects of the pandemic I think we just have to kind of wait and respect everyone's wishes when it comes to the decisions that they make. Yeah, it, to me, it's again. I, I, don't, I don't want to hear from people with uh, you know giving me oh you need to do this, you need to do that. Nope, all bets are off. There's no rules right now. It's up to you individually to make the best decision for yourself going forward. So again, we love college football. I hope we get a chance to see college football. I would love it if we had all the great players out there on the field, but. I get it. I understand it. And uh, I think this is the tip of the iceberg with these couple names. You know, I think we're going to see some more here in the next week plus. Oh, absolutely. I think we'll continue to see some of these guys kind of bow out because as the as the college season is continuing to be pushed into mid to late September, I think more guys are going to weigh in. They're also going to have more voices in their ear that may convince them, you know what, it may be best for me to sit on the sideline and just train and prepare for the next level. All right. Uh, I do want to announce this uh, new podcast that's coming out starting next week. It's called the Hard Knocks Podcast, hosted by our buddy Peter Schrager. Uh, Hard Knocks, a TV show, is going to debut on thir- on Tuesday, I should say, August 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern on HBO. Uh, Hard Knocks this year covering the Rams and the Chargers. <laughs> Is there better music in the world? I don't know about you, but I'm ready to run through a brick wall when I hear those tunes because it means one thing. Yes, the NFL is back in action and so is HBO's Hard Knocks. In a season that's already unlike any other the league and how, let's be honest, the world has ever seen, HBO is raising the bar yet again by going behind the scenes with not one, but two NFL teams for the first time ever in Hard Knocks Los Angeles. HBO's unparalleled access to training camp will reach new heights with the 2020 Los Angeles Rams and the 2020 Los Angeles Chargers. I'm Peter Schrager, host of the NFL Network's Good Morning Football Show, and I'm back as your host of the official Hard Knocks podcast, a joint production from HBO Sports and NFL Media. Every week, I'm going to provide you with the recap show you want with an added layer of behind-the-scenes access and information. Typically, you'd go to a water cooler at work and discuss what happened on last night's episode. Newsflash, that's probably not happening this August. Subscribe to this podcast because I will be breaking down the most intriguing storylines with people in the know, decision makers at both teams, and the actual producers at NFL Films and HBO who have boots on the ground in Los Angeles. We'll be discussing the team's highly anticipated moves to their brand new stadium, the Chargers quarterback battle between Terod Taylor and Justin Herbert, 
Sean McVay's plan to get the Rams back on top. And of course, we'll talk about all the challenges that will be coming from navigating a season amidst a global pandemic. So go ahead right now and subscribe to the Hard Knocks podcast on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to watch Hard Knocks on HBO and stream it on HBO Max on Tuesday nights beginning August 11th. It's the Hard Knocks podcast. We are here. Cue the water sprinkler noise and let's go. Oh, Buck, that's going to be fun, man. Uh, our buddy Peter Schrager is going to be all over that. It's going to be kind of like he's going to be our Andy Cohen, I guess, kind of uh, recapping the uh, the show here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It'll be um, interesting to see. Obviously, you'll have more access to the charges being down there, being around their camp or whatever. Like, I'm just curious to see how all of this gets done. And I think the behind-the-scenes footage of what guys are experiencing, how different this training camp is for everybody, will be fascinating. I I can't wait, man. I'm, I'm excited about the football season, even though we kind of have this cloud of uncertainty hanging over top. I just think this is going to be a year where the best coaches, the coaches who are adaptable, the coaches who have really good plans in terms of getting their guys ready to play, I think they're going to stand out for the rest of the pack. No doubt. Um, well, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. This was fun, man. Just again, I, I love uh, chatting with you, man. It's, we always come into these shows with our ideas of what we're going to do, and you never know where it's going to go. But that's the beauty about podcasts—we go wherever the heck we want to go. That's right. We can just we can just take it. Um, it's funny. The, the next time we, we chat, I do want to get the breakdown of those two players because those are some really good players. I studied Bateman and Farley. Yeah. Good players, good Did players you, making good decisions. Bateman's a really good player. Did you think he had big time juice? I, I thought he was. No. I didn't either. I thought he played to like four or five. And some people said, I guess he's going to test better than that. But he's a good player. He's a good player. I mean, it's funny. Like I know we're supposed to end the podcast, but let's just talk about yeah. him and farther. Like the thing that I wrote in my notes, chain mover. Uh, he's a guy that does a really good job of working and doing the dirty, dirty work in between the hashes. But before I even talk about that, some of the best hands that I've seen. His yeah. one-hand catches, his ability oh, yeah. to come down, his hand-eye coordination is exactly what you dream of for a wide receiver. He catches any and everything that is all around him. And I loved your comparison because you compared him to Michael Thomas. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you another one, A.J. Brown. Because when I looked at him, I didn't see the blazer. And it reminded me of A.J. Brown because when A.J. Brown was at Ole Miss, I was like, I don't know how fast he is, but then D.J., Babin averaged over 20 yards of reception. I, know, I, know, I, know. I mean, that is ridiculous amount of yards per catch. And so I look at A.J. Brown this year in the league for someone who I didn't think was a burner, even though he ran 4-4-9 at the combine. His ability to really create these explosive plays, I see Rashad Bateman being able to do that as well. I love going back through the notes and uh, and looking at some things as we're talking and listening to you. Um He's such a sharp route runner. He never drifts, which, again, you see so much of that at the college level. Guys just aren't precise. It, it's, it is what it is. It's the way the game's played there. But he was crisp. He was very crisp, doesn't drift. He works in traffic. Um, he's got kind of that subtle quickness at the top of his route. And he's going to have to dial in a little bit of the physicality down the field, but I'd much rather be able to rein that in than to get somebody to be a little tougher, a little more physical. And, again, you mentioned it, Buck, just the hands. The hands are outstanding. Um, and then also I wrote down, which for receivers, you don't really you say this a lot, but I have I wrote FBI, 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 FBI. Like 
He's got incredible football intelligence, broken plays, uh, being able to feel leverage. Like he's just very instinctive. For those who don't know, FBI stands for football instincts. Like he is dripping with with instincts. Yeah, he has, he has a lot of things that um, you really like, and I like the fact that he played on the backside at X, but he also went to slot some. Uh, I feel like he really showed you he'd do a variety of different things. If it's on the boundary, doing the vertical part of it, catching the ball over the middle of the field, I thought he was physical and courageous enough to catch the ball inside. Everybody's not built to go inside and run the digs and the slants and the bang gates. I thought his courage to the catch point stood out, and I just like uh, I wrote down, very good runner after catch. Crafty, wiggle, power. He can give you a variety of different ways to continue to get out of that, that first tackle. And I think in this game, if you can get the ball to someone on the perimeter, and if they can make a defender or two miss, that's when the big plays happen. And for Bateman, I saw that repeatedly show up on tape. Yep, but the only thing I wrote down is on some rare occasions, I thought he got stuck a little bit in press. Uh, but he's got the strength and the quickness to be able to, to improve in that area. That'll just come with, with more experience. Yeah, I thought so. What about Caleb Farley? What did you think about him? So Caleb Farley, I've done 19 of my first look scouting reports, which you can go to NFL.com slash Daniel Jeremiah. You can read all these reports on these top college players. I've done 19. He is number 20. So okay. he, is, he is literally my last guy. So he's going to come out later this week. So I'm going to watch him tonight or tomorrow. Okay, I don't want to influence you, but here's what I'll say without really yeah. talking about his game. He is the prototypical corner that teams like Seattle, Jacksonville, San Diego, not San Diego, mm-hmm. L.A., the Chargers, and, and the Jaguars look for because he's big, he's physical, he can tackle, he has ball skills. It would be interesting when we have that conversation about him because there's some things that I really, really like, but then I also had a couple of questions, and I want to see if you have questions on those same aspects. Okay, well, that's, that's TBD. Let's, uh, let's get that on the next uh, podcast. I love this, man. We always are in the verge of wrapping these things up, and then we end up, we have more stuff we want to talk about. It just tells us that football season's almost here. That's what it tells us. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm excited about it. Like, uh, it's always a good conversation, though. Yeah, see, Mark is trying to start uh, beef here. He, he just put on our little chat here, Padres, because the Padres came off of a win over the Dodgers. But, Mark, I've, I've explained this many times. I don't say anything. I don't say anything until the series is over. After the series, I might like, – if something good happens, I might say something after. I'm not saying anything in the middle of a series. Have they, have they already played today? Like, when we're taping this, I don't I know. know if they played. I know. I, we just – hey, the game is right in front of us. I, I don't know what happened last night or any of those other things. Like, today, I think is everyone's 0-0 zero zero today, right? Can, can we agree? Uh, Mookie, Mookie did not play in the game, so that was big for the for the Padres. But uh, to me, the best we asked Dave Roberts who would be the best football player on the on the Dodgers, uh, and he said Mookie Betts. To me, if you haven't seen the, a lot, a lot of people watch the Padres. If you've seen the Padres play, Fernando Tatis could play football. Man, that dude is an athlete. Man, did, he, didn't he hit a bomb? He hit a bomb last night, right? Yeah, he he hit one off Bueller, a curveball. He's right-handed out about 15 rows up on the right field line, like literally on the line opposite field. And Bueller, I saw his quotes after the game. He's like, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's not normal. <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to be able, you're not supposed no. to, be able to, to take it to the opposite field with power like that. But he has it. What, what's your verdict on the uniforms? I love them. I love them. Okay, and, I, and the majority of people love them. The pinstripes, the white, the, the white and brown pinstripe, the home uni is, is pretty sweet. But 90% of the people, 90, 95% of the people love them. Guy Haberman uh, from the Pac-12 Network and our buddy up in the Bay Area hates them. But he's a Giants fan. It is what it is. So now that color scheme, I remember, because I remember as a kid, it was, it was the brown That's what and we the grew yellow. Up with. Yeah. Like, 
But then the, the pinstripes, that's a new... That's new. That's a new school. So we've got kind of the old school colors with kind of a new school look. Now, I remember I like when it. they... Now, when they had Gwen and Garvey one time, didn't yep. they have... They had pinstripes and Benito Santiago. That was they brown. Had, uh, yeah, that, that was like was a brown tan and with blue. brown, brown. Yeah, they had... Okay. Yeah, that was okay. that was an okay. uglier uniform. This, this, this crisp white with the brown pinstripes. That I is, dig it. It's a good look. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. I dig it. I, I like it a little bit. It's not a bad uniform. uniform. I feel good. I feel good about my combination. You know, obviously the Chargers are not in San Diego anymore, but, you know, growing up, the teams, the local teams for me were the Padres and the Chargers, and now I call the Charger games. I'm still a huge Padre fan. I feel like my uniform combination with my two teams is it's pretty strong right now. It's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty strong. I mean, yes. I mean it's, it's nice uniforms, both, both sets. The Chargers' new uniforms are unreal. They look so good. I can't wait to see that uh, that polo that you're going to have to sport from the stadium. No, they haven't playing. sent them to me yet. I got to text those guys. I need some money to get my new gear, my workout gear. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up, man. I do want to thank you guys. We've had a bunch more uh, uh, get on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a, and a ranking. We do appreciate you doing that. If you haven't, I would encourage you to do so. That, does, uh, that helps us out tremendously. And uh, I know we haven't done it in a while, but uh, Nabil, write this down for the next podcast. We need to have a. Uh, we need to answer some of the questions because we, we're compiling. They've compiled a lot of questions on there on Apple Podcasts. So uh, we'll put that on the next podcast. So if you've lobbed a question out there, uh, be sure to tune in. If you haven't, uh, throw one on there. And we'll see if we can get to it. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be back uh, real soon uh, with another episode of Move the Sticks. We'll catch you then. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. 
Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.